Hallelujah. You know, that's that name that at every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Mm. And that, we're talking just the name of Jesus. Don't let Jesus stand up and say, I am. Woo! Then people fall out. Just read your Bible in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just read your, oh, I'm going to have to preach today. Mm, let me take this name tag off for I embarrass my wife. Wow, praise the Lord. My name is Derek Hartley. I'm the Minister of Spiritual Development. And it is my joy to preach, to bring God's Word to you today. I got out of the car this morning as I was walking into the church. And I just, tears in my eyes. I'm just so thankful that I get to do this. And I'm so, so thankful for the words that Roy spoke over us and the prayer he prayed over us and the word he read over us. Um, there are some times I wonder, why do I do this? And then there, but most time I wonder, there's, at most time I understand there's nothing else I can do. There's nothing else. I'm called to this. And if I did anything else, I would be in living in disobedience. And I, I know all of our ministers feel that way. All, all, and, and our missionaries that we support, it's, let's not forget them. Whatever, whatever was said about us, multiplied times ten, and that's a missionary. <laughs> all right? Amen? And got any missionaries in the room? <laughs> so, praise God for this calling. And uh, so, it's my joy to be speaking to you again this morning in our sermon series that we've just begun about, Is Your God Too Small? And let me just tell you, the God that y'all just sang about, that's not a tiny God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So uh, this series is born out of a, a book that Pastor Fred read um, <clears throat> back when he was a young man, just last week. So... Um, but he read a book entitled, Your God is Too Small. And that's, that's, a, that's even more in your face. And it has just stuck with him over these years. And Holy Spirit has just borne this sermon series out of that. And here we are. Last week, we talked about the woman at the well. And as we studied the woman at the well, we, it, we came to understand that her God was too small. She made God and an Everything about God, about the where and the how. And if God, God, had, God had a house, and he, he was either in the temple in Jerusalem or up on the mountain in Samaria where, where the, woman on the well, woman at the well lived. And you know, that's where he was. That's where he stayed. And we worshipped him and you interacted with him and you we're in relationship with him based on just some cert, a certain set of rules. And it's just about, it was about checking boxes. And so it's the where and the how. And then when she came in contact, when she encountered God with skin wrapped around him at the well that day, she understood that God's not about the where and the how, it's about the who. Mm. It's about Jesus and the power of that. 
And so we, we, uh, we just considered together, uh, you know, about worshiping the who. The who of Jesus Christ. The who of God the Father. And when we follow Him, and we enter into relationship, the Holy Spirit, who then lives inside of us. What a, what a wonderful, what a beautiful, and what a powerful name it is. That, that Jesus Christ that has provided our salvation. Today we're going to continue this uh, series and we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath. So admittedly, I love this story. I love it, and I've, I've used it over and over throughout my ministry to teach about faith in God and perseverance in the face of insurmountable circumstances. You know, when I was a youth minister and a college minister for years, almost 20 years I did that, and it was a great story because David was, was young. He was, he was little, and uh, God used him in a mighty, mighty way. And, you know, over, over the years I've, I've taught a lot about this story in the terms of David acting heroically as God directed him and strengthened him to defeat the enemy, Goliath. And you know what? The story is always about David and Goliath, right? Maybe a little bit about the Philistines, you know, uh, because Goliath was a Philistine, and maybe a little bit about that, but mainly about David and Goliath. So, Pastor Fred's on sabbatical this week, and he said, okay, this next sermon in the series is David and Goliath, and I know you really like that, so there you go. And so I began to pray about it, and he, he, just he, last Sunday night, as I was going to bed and thinking about this, I, be, I began to pray about, God, you know, how, what, do you want, what do you want to say about this story about, you know, it's David and Goliath, you know, David and Goliath, David and Goliath, and I... He woke me up early, like 4 o'clock in the morning on Monday morning. And I, I just had to go get, go get into prayer. Uh, and this is what I understand. As this process was working in me and, and sort of looking at this story, that I had, <clears throat> you ready? I had a tiny view of this story. Not that, that's, not that David and Goliath and all that's not small. I had a tiny view of it in that that's where I was supposed to focus. And that's where all my focus for all these years had been. Just right there, David and Goliath. Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal, but there's more. And so God said, you're trying to talk about me in terms of is your, am I too small? And you've got a little old bitty view of this story. So it just blew my mind and said, let's look at it like this. And today, in this process, in this process that was going on in me, I've come to understand that when, where the tiny God, who had the view of the tiny God? It wasn't David. David didn't have a tiny view. David's view of God wasn't small. David had a big idea of God. And, you know, he, he just believed that if God said it, well then... It's done. Somebody just needs to go down there and do it. It's done. That was David's view. God's big. There's no... It's settled. God said it. It's settled. Somebody just needs to go down there and sweep up. And the Philistines' view, 
Goliath and Philistines, their view of God wasn't tiny, wasn't small. They didn't even care. They didn't have a view at all. They didn't even worship God. They were acting just like people would act that don't believe in God. Isn't it funny? Isn't it, isn't it, uh, funny, I don't know, that's a funny word to use. But isn't it strange or interesting how, how we believers, and if you're an unbeliever here today, welcome, I'm so glad you're here. And if you're watching online, thank you for being here and, and tuning in. Thank you, God bless you. You're so welcome. We're so glad you're here. But isn't it funny how believers will see unbelievers acting the way unbelievers are supposed to act? They're just supposed, they're just act, they don't, they've not been redeemed. They've not, they've not invited Christ to take lordship of their life and so they act like it. And we get offended because they do. We stand back over, look at them acting that way instead of going over there and sharing Jesus with them. Anyway. That's just a little sideboard there. It's, we shouldn't be surprised when unbelievers act like unbelievers. We should be surprised when believers act like unbelievers. And we get it kind of reversed. Our patience, our grace, our mercy should be with unbelievers as we're seeking to lead them to faith in Christ. But we should have more, we should have a really short leash on believers who don't act that way. And we get that so sideways in the church. All right. So, <clears throat> the Philistines and, Saul, and uh, Philistines and Goliath were just acting the way unbelievers would act. King Saul, the king of Israel, you know the one that Israel screamed and cried and belly ached for when God said, you don't need a king, you got me. And they said, no, we want a king. And they said, okay. And God said, okay, here's Saul. King Saul and the army under his leadership had made their God too small. They had a tiny, tiny God. Let's pray together. Father, here we are in your presence. We have worshipped your name. We have cried out to you. We've, we've prayed. We've... Now we're going to open your word. It, make this all about you. Tune our hearts in to who you are. And you are a great, big, marvelous matchless God. And let us just be blown away by that, shaken in our boots, stopped in our tracks by who you are and how great you are. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, um, I know you all know the story of David and Goliath, but I love it, so I'm going to tell it. So, here we go. I'm going to set the scene a little bit. The army of Israel had, uh, had uh, lined up um, on, the, on one side of a hill in, in there in the valley of Elah is down, in the, in, in, down here. And this is where the flatland is, where battles would take place. So it, Israel was on one side of the valley on their hill, and the Philistines were on the other side of the valley on their hill. Okay, 
Alright, and every day, Goliath would come down. Goliath was their champion. Goliath was this little bitty guy. He's about nine feet, nine inches tall. Nine feet, nine inches tall. And he would come down, and he had on his armor and a helmet made of bronze, and just his coat of mail. You know, you know what a coat of, coat of mail is? It's this interlinked little pieces of metal that kind of that you wear over you and it's hard for arrows and other weapons to pierce it. It's, it's like armor, but you can move in it a lot better in, in battle. Okay, so it's this coat of mail. Not heavy armor, coat of mail. Well, just a coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. And then he had a spear. They said, the Bible says, was the shaft of which was like a weaver's beam. And the head on that spear weighed 15 pounds. A 15 pound, just the head of the spear. So this was a big dude, and he probably didn't have good hygiene. He probably stunk, and he was ugly, didn't brush his teeth, probably didn't shave and comb his hair. He was ugly, and he would just stand out there and just scream and mock and defy the armies of Israel every day. And the Bible says, whenever Saul, says it, whenever Saul and the Israel heard this, they were afraid. All right, so meanwhile, back out on the farm, <laughs> there's a little guy named David, and he's tending his father's sheep. Jesse's his dad. And Jesse had three sons serving in Saul's army. And in those days, this is how it worked. The families were responsible for providing provisions and shelter and all that for the army. So Jesse said, and, and the, the commanders. So Jesse said to David, he said, look, go take this food, cheese and, you know, roasted grain and all that. Take this to, to your brothers. Uh, it was uh, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. Take, your, take this to your brothers and then take, all, and take these cheeses to their, his commander. It, they were a part of a, command, a regiment of a thousand. So this was a big army. So a big a mass of people on one side of the valley. And another mass of people on the other side of the valley. By the way, I've got to stand in that valley. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I might have embarrassed myself. I certainly embarrassed everyone who was in my group. Um, but I was <laughs> stood down in that valley, and I was like, Oh, ho, 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 I, are you not servants of Saul? <laughs> okay, that was... <laughs> but I did, I, so, you know, once Pastor Fred said, Derek, please behave according to a minister of the gospel. <laughs> I uh, knelt down, and I got five stones. So I have five stones in my office from the Valley of Elah. And I don't think they're the same five stones. But I've got, <laughs> I've got five stones from the Valley. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool story. But anyway, that, so David goes to the army. Uh, he's going to find his brothers. And they've already lined up for battle. So you've got all the Israelites on one side of the hill. And you've got all the Philistines on the other side of the hill. And they're all up there. All the Israelites are over there, ha, 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 and they're banging their shields, saber rattling, ha, 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 you stinky, smelly, poo-poo heads. And the Philistines were yelling the same stuff. And then Goliath comes down. And then, so now it's about time for Goliath to come down and yell something, and then the Israelites go, okay, let's go home. Well, David comes up in the middle of that, and he got, here comes David, he's kind of, a little guy, he's kind of pushing his way to the front. Hey, what's going on? Who's that big ugly guy? 
And they start fussing and yelling, and then he yells all these curses, and David's like, he needs to get his whooping. Who's going what's going who's going to do this? All right, and that's where we pick up the story. All right. I've got three thoughts about this. I want to share with you about is your God too small? Thought one is this. Your God is too small when your faith is bigger than your God. Now look, that's, those are little G's. All right, let's, let's make sure we understand, we understand what we're talking about. We're not talking about, we're not talking about Yahweh here. We're not talking about God, capital G. We're talking about a little God. And your faith is bigger than your God. All right, Derek, explain that to me. I'm glad you asked that. So let's go. Here's, let's read this in 1 Samuel 17, verse 19 through 27. And this is there's a lot of verses. The next two are shorter, but this, this is important stuff, okay? So 1 Samuel 17, verse 19 through 27, okay? I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Ready? Buckle up. Let's go. Now Saul and, all, <clears throat> and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. All right? <clears throat> and David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. Jesse's his dad. All right? And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to battle, shouting the war cry. Ooh, stinky boy. You stinky smelly guys. We're going to really beat you today. That's me banging my sword on my shield. So, if you wonder what that is. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, our, our army against army. Okay, so you kind of see the spectacle. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage, and he ran to the ranks and went up and greeted his brothers. Hey guys, what's going on? All right. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke. The same words as before, and David heard them. And David's like, what? All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. All right? And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with the great riches and will give him his daughter and make him his, fa his father's house free in Israel. So, not, so the man who would go out and fight Goliath would, get, would become a prince. He'd get to marry the king's daughter. He'd give him a, uh, he'd give him a treasure and his, ha and his family would no longer be taxed. Okay? That's what that means. And David said to the men who stood by him, well, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Okay, say that again. You get, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now there's a big G on that God. All right? And the people answered him in the same way. Well, so shall it be done for the, I, I already told you. David said, oh, that's what I thought you said. And the people answered him the same ways, and so shall it be done for the man who kills him. And David's like, well, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> Why hadn't this already been done? See, the Israelites got all dressed up, showed up, 
and made a bunch of noise. Okay? Then they ran away when things got scary, or at least it wasn't what they expected. You know, this happened for 40 straight days. They'd get up, all, get all dressed up, get their shields, get their swords, get their javelins, get their spears, get their bows and arrows, go up on the side of the hill, make a bunch, shout, make a bunch of noise, and the Philistines do their thing. <clears throat> and then down would come Goliath in the valley. He said, I'm the champion. Where's your champion? I, and you know, he saw that Israel's champion, which was King Saul, who was a shoulders and head above everybody else, but still smaller than Goliath. And he would say, your champion won't come down. Just give me somebody. Give me a man to fight. Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Give me a man to fight. When he got, when they would get all dressed up, they'd show up and make a bunch of noise, and when things got scary, they'd walk away. They also had no intention of doing anything messy or anything that required too much effort or cost them too much personally. They'd rather pay someone else to do it. Or they'd rather their king pay someone else to do it. King Saul said, somebody go down there and do this. You'll be a rich man. You'll marry my daughter. And your house will never see another tax. See, their God was way too Small. Their show was way bigger than the God they, say, they said they served. Hmm. Sometimes, we're all of church people can be all about the show. We'll get dressed up. And we'll show up. And we'll make a bunch of noise. But when the heat gets turned up, we're nowhere to be found. Especially if it's not what we expect. God's just dealt with me on that. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's all about the show. Showing up, putting on my good, you know, I, I put on my nice long sleeve fall shirt and I pressed it and all, and Leanne approved. And, and I make a bunch of noise sometimes. Man, I'll raise my hands and cry. And I'll say I'm against the right things. And when push comes to shove and the heat gets turned up, you know, I'm no, maybe I'm nowhere to be found. If it's a little scary or it's something that I don't want to do or it might be messy or it might require too much effort, it might get me out of my comfort zone. We might not sing the songs I like at the time I like. Uh, and goodness, you know, forbid that the paint don't match the carpet. 
It might be too hot or too cold. I don't know. There are a lot of things. And our faith is small. I mean, big. We, oh, we can rattle our sabers when we need to. But when it's time to face the giant, we go back to the tent. You know, we, got some, we have some very practical ways that we can show up and, and our God be big. Our faith be like a mustard seed. And our God be big. You know, there's one way you can do that. Today, uh, today there's a silent, uh, 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 I don't know, it's not a protest. It's just standing in silence to support the sanctity of life right out here in our community out on 515. I think those details are in your bulletin, in your sermon notes and more. Ways you can do that. You know, you can, you can show up on, on Wednesday well, when we start showing up again. But you can show up on Wednesdays of prayer meeting just to pray. Just to pray for our, the lost, to pray for our, our folks who have great need, to pray for our missionaries, to pray for our military, to pray for our community, to pray for our nation. You know, you just do that. You know, it, we tend to be more about fussing and complaining about our country and not praying about our, for our country. Let me hurry. So let's <clears throat> got a couple questions for you, for me. Are we running away from something scary that God has called us to do? What are we expecting others to do that God has asked us to do? Questions we have to answer today. Thought number two. Your God is too small when you're comfortable in your disobedience. <clears throat> when you're comfortable in your disobedience. Let's look at uh, verses 28 through 30 together. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness, you little shepherd boy? We're the, we're the military experts. Why don't you go tend some sheep, Davy? I know your presumption and the evil in your heart. You've just come down here to see the battle. You just showed up for the show. You just want your tub of popcorn and your diet soda. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? All I did, Eliab, was speak the truth. And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. David's like, are you... Now, one more time. What's going to happen if the guy goes down here and fights Goliath? You know, David's made, like, I guess I'm going to have to do this. The shepherd boy. Your God's too small when you're comfortable in your disobedience. Israel was happy to stay up on their hill where they felt safety of their own design. We'll just stay up on our, on our hill because the Philistines, giant or not, were not going to come up the hill to attack Israel. They had a tactical advantage. They could just fire down on them and beat them down. 
They were, they, oh, we're safe up here, even from that nasty, gnarly giant. We're up here and we're safe. And so, and of our own design, they didn't understand. They didn't understand that they were in God's will. You're safe down in the valley too because He's a big God. Their God was too small to protect them while they obeyed Him. The God of their making. Small g. And when David challenged them, his brother Eliab misunderstood him. He mocked him. And he misrepresented him. His God was too small. Eliab's God was too small to act like the God, Big G, had acted in the past or to keep the promises in the present or in the future. You may be being called to do something that's crazy <laughs> in the minds of man. All right? But God has no less called you to do it. And people are going to rise up. And they're going to call you a fool. You give, you live on how much, you give how much of your income away? For the glory of who? For God? You live on 80% and give 20% away? That's unheard of. Just think of all you could have. You'll be misunderstood. You'll be mocked. Oh, I, oh. <laughs> I, I, I remember being I remember being referred to as a Bible thumper uh, because I preached from the Bible, and this this was by a church person. I was like, well, okay, thank you. You're going to be mocked, and then you'll be misrepresented. You only do that what you do so you can get glory. Or there must be some alternative motive for what you're doing, or you're just crazy. You'll be, you'll be mocked, you'll be misunderstood, mocked, and misrepresented. And too often, it'll be by those who are close to you. Those who you call brother. Sister, but you are no uh, less called by God. Those who would do that to you have a tiny God. Because they don't want their routine to be interrupted. They don't want anything to change. And they certainly don't want to do anything messy or something that might ask too much of them and require too much effort. So, my question is, where have you become Comfortable, comfortable in your disobedience. Who have you reacted to this way because of their obedience? Questions we've got to ask ourselves. Tough, tough questions. All right. And thought number three. Your God's too small when you refuse to walk in the victory that has already been one. Look at uh, 1 Samuel 17, 31 through 33. 
When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the, this Philistine. And Saul said to David, David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. And David understood what Saul didn't. David understood that Goliath was a dead giant walking. That it didn't have anything to do with David. Sure, I'm small. I'm too small. I can't, your armor doesn't even fit me. And you know what? I've never tested this. Let me tell you what I have tested. This slingshot. Because when I'm out, protect, out protecting my sheep, and a bear or a lion comes and takes one of my, the sheep, I go and take it back out of his mouth. And if that bear has something to say about it, I give him a whooping. And the God who delivered me from the bear and delivered me from the lion will deliver me from that nasty, ugly old giant down there. Because it's not about me. He has defied God Almighty. And that's the big God. And Saul, you have a little God if you think this is about me. And Saul had a little God. The, the size and superiority of Goliath and his armor or his spear, none of that mattered. David said, he said, all I need is one stone. And just some room to swing this thing. And Goliath will be no more. Not because I'm great, but because my God is. And, his, and, and Saul, as God, was small. The, 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 the inadequacies, of, inadequacies of Saul and Israel and David, none of that mattered. Because it's not about them. See, Israel thought it was, was about them. And, and all their modern, you know, the modern technology of the day, the spears, the swords, the sabers, the javelins, the spears, the bows and arrows, all of that, the siege works, all of that, that's what it was about. But none of, that could, none of that can protect us against that giant down there. It's just too big. And David said, it's not about that. In my weakness, he's made strong. I'll go down there. Because Goliath is a dead giant walking. What about us? What about us personally in our lives? Where are we refusing to walk in the victory that's already been won? As a church, what are we... How are we holding ourselves back because we won't walk in the victory that's already been won? And it's just disobedience. How are we not being who God's called us to be because of our just bullheadedness and, and unbelief? Christian atheism. Then I'll rattle my saber until giant comes up. If you're listening today and you're not a follower of Christ, if you're just watching online or here today and you're trying to decide, is this for me? Is this living a life for Christ for me? Let me tell you, every battle that you're facing has already been won. 
You must choose to walk in that victory. This is, this is how it works. You choose first to admit to God what He already knows about you. That you have sin and that that sin keeps you from being with God. It separates us. What the Bible says, we are separated from Him for all eternity. And you admit that. If you've ever done one, bat, one sin, you're separated. The wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. And that's what we deserve and that's what we're headed for. You just admit that. And then you believe, like David did, that God is bigger than all that. He has sent His Son Jesus to provide the sacrifice to pay the debt that we've run up with our sin. Jesus pays that and all that sin is forgiven and then you trust you admit, you believe, then you trust God with your life. You don't try to clean it up and fix it up. You just come to Him and say, Here I am, God. Uh, such, as, such that I am. Here's my life, such as it is. Take it. Make it beautiful for your sake. I give myself to you. And then start walking in the victory that's already been won. How many of us who are here today who are believers are not walking in that victory? We've forgotten what it means to be saved. We've forgotten. Later, David wrote, Restore the joy of my salvation. Maybe that's our prayer today as individuals, as a church, as those who are seeking Come to Jesus. Start walking in the victory. How are you refusing to walk in the victory that God has already won? Let's stand.